In this episode, I'm going to be talking about some of the top tips for your residency application, both talking about some tips for your interviews as well as for your ERAS application. So the first thing that we're going to be talking about is the most important thing is submitting on the first day. And I think that everybody knows that and everybody wants to submit as early as possible, but oftentimes there's certain holdups. And I think the biggest holdup is going to be your letters of rec because the actual application isn't that difficult. There's not that much in your application that is going to take you a long time to do. What's really going to hold up your time is other people is they are busy and they're not able to submit your letters of rec when you need them to be submitted. So I think that having a, a timeline, and I'll actually have a more detailed timeline in another video, but just having a very general timeline is very important. So sometime in early September is when you're actually going to be submitting your ERAS application. And sometime in early June is going to be when ERAS opens. So in June is when you can officially ask your letter writers to not only write the letter, but also to submit the letter. So before June, you can start thinking about who you're going to ask, maybe even asking them if they're willing to write it so you can figure out who can you ask if they say no or if they say that they're not able to write a good one for you. And then in, when June comes around, that's when you're actually telling them, okay, now you can start submitting the letters of rec and now everything will be ready for you to go when it comes time in September. So I think that's probably the most important part. The other parts like your personal statement, your actual CV, and all the other factors in your application, they're pretty quick to write. It's going to be similar to what you did in, in med school, minus all the secondaries, minus all the extra stuff and all the explanations that you had to give for all your different experiences. Now, the next thing that I think is extremely important for you to have a good list of is a good hobbies list. For some reason, it's an extremely big topic of conversation during interviews. And I didn't realize how important it was because initially when I filled out my hobbies list on my application, I just put a list. I just put a list of a couple words, things that I like to do, and they're very generic. And it wasn't until someone had read my application that they started to tell me, well, you got to put much more thought into it and actually describe what you're doing because oftentimes this is going to be the very first thing, if not the only thing that you guys talk about. And once I started going into interviews, I realized how true that was. Oftentimes, the only thing that these interviewers have on their sheet is your step one score, AOA or not, your school and your hobbies list. That's all they have. And it's important for you to know that because if you just had a generic list that everybody else had, there's no way for you to stand out. You kind of already shot yourself in the foot to begin with. So you want to start off strong. You want to give yourself something to talk about. So be descriptive and obviously have things that are interesting to you that you think may be interesting to other people those things that are unique. But also don't forget about the generic hobbies as well. It's okay to have hobbies that everybody else likes. You don't have to just have a hobby that only you will like because oftentimes these are the conversations that you'll have that you can relate with somebody. If it's a random hobby and you're only listing random hobbies that you have and you're only doing this because you want to sound cool and unique, but you have no point of relationship or maybe you don't even know much about that topic or much about that hobby that you have. You just maybe did it once. I don't think that's a very effective list. You want to make a good list, something that you can talk about, something that you can have a conversation about for potentially 30 whole minutes. So don't put it down unless you can have a good and thorough conversation. The next thing is being prepared for your interviews. And I know that it may seem very obvious that why wouldn't you be prepared? But once you've been on 15, 20, maybe even 30 interviews, if you're applying into something like 
a prelim and a categorical program, you'll start to realize that towards the end of the interviews is when you'll really start to have fatigue and, and really won't be preparing all that much. In the very beginning, you're going to prepare everything. You're going to know everybody's name. You're going to know everything about the school. You're going to have done all your research. But I think that as you go on in your time in your interviews, you want to keep in mind there's some important things that you at least have to know. You're not going to do as much as you did for the first interviews, probably guaranteed. But you should still at least do these things. So the number one thing is have a reason why you want to go to each program. It should be unique. It should be something that is particularly special about that program. And every program is going to have pretty much everything's going to be the same, if I'm going to be honest. Everything's going to sound the same. If you're going to some type of academic program, a big academic program is going to look identical no matter where you are. But the one thing, you have to find something, even if it's small, something that's a little bit unique about the program, and it should be a little bit more than just the location. That's not a good enough reason for the location because there's hundreds of people that may want to come here um, that want to move back to their home state or something to that extent. So you want to find something that's unique, want to have some reason to, to go. Everything else is going to be standard questions that you probably have rehearsed and, and answered a billion times. Um, but also know there's different types of interviews, whether or not you're on a community or an academic interview, whether or not you're on a prelim or a categorical. Although they may seem the same, they're actually very different. The answers that you give at a community program versus an academic program, let's say you're very interested in research, saying that at a community program, it may be good if it's really true. And But the problem is they may not have that to offer you. And so you you want to kind of gauge what you're going to say based on the program that you're going to be at. Same thing with the prelim versus categorical. If you're going into field like uh, radiology or radonc and, and you're doing a prelim in internal medicine, it's a very different conversation that you're going to be having and a very different conversation because one, you're only going to be there for one year, but also it's a, just a very different field. So you have to know your audience and just be prepared for the different questions that they may ask you. And you just have to know very basic details about the program, but I think that's something you can look at probably on the day of the interview, if anything, and where you rotate the general schedule, the patient demographics, and the research emphasis. That's all minor things in the grand scheme of things. Um, those are things that you can look up really quickly, but you should probably know. The main thing is find something that's unique. Find one thing, because they're always going to ask you, why do you want to come here, as opposed to other places. This one is probably going to be one of the most important is not being afraid to reach out. And I think that this was something that I didn't realize until maybe once interviews started and you start talking to other people and get to hear their experiences. But reaching out to either the program or also reaching out to people that you know who can reach out to the program that you're interested in is very important, both before the interviews, during the interviews, and also after the interviews. So the first thing is if there's a particular program that you're extremely interested in, it's okay to send them an email or, or have your um, advisor or someone to send them an email or call them if they know them personally that you're really interested in the program. I think it shows a lot of initiative. I think it shows just to, because a lot of times these are just computers that are going to read through your application. They're just computers that plug in all your numbers. What is your step one score? Were you AOA or not? How many hours did you have? How many publications did you had? And if you didn't make the cut, then you're not going to get an interview. So I think that it's important for you to, if you, there's a certain program that's very important to you and maybe you may have some interest in that, uh, then you definitely want to reach out. Also, once interviews have been sent out, you should 
be mindful of that. So follow all these forums on Student Doctor Network or on Reddit. There's all these forums that you can have. You'll see one for every single year um, that are applied. There's these very detailed Google Docs that people set up. They'll tell you exactly when all the interviews have been sent out. They'll tell you how many interview slots there are, how many positions there are for the program. And so as soon as the interviews are sent out, and this is a program that you really want to go to, I would recommend to reach out. I think that it's important to let them know that you're serious about the program. I don't think you should do that for every program. And you definitely shouldn't be asking your advisors to send out emails to every program because it kind of dissolves how serious you are about them. And you have to use them in the future as well. So I think that you have to be mindful of their time as well. So definitely reach out if these are interviews that you would like, but you haven't received. And I think that when you are geographic specific, for example, you want to be in the Midwest, you want to be in California or Texas or somewhere in specific that is particularly hard to break into geographically, especially if you're not from that area, you need to reach out to them. I think that it's also important, and this is kind of just a random point, but listing your home address is different from your school address is important because it shows that, for example, me, I was born and raised in the same place, that uh, roughly the same area, maybe 100 miles from where I went to college, about 100 miles from where I went to med school. So I kind of stuck around this area. I never moved. And that was disadvantageous to me because when I went to other schools in other states or even within my own state but farther in my state, people just didn't think I was willing to move. Um, and so if you are from another place, let's say you were from the West Coast and then you went to East Coast for, for med school, definitely show that your home address is on the West Coast. They may not have that information. They may not look at it, but it's important to also just note in case they do so that they know that you're, you're willing to move and things like that. Have others reach out for you definitely during interviews and as well as after interviews, but be mindful that they may need to reach out for you in the future. And if your couple's matching, definitely use your significant other to your advantage. I know that a lot of times it's difficult when your couple's matching, but also you can get a lot more interviews as a couple, granted if you're both really good applicants, but if your your partner got an interview at some school that you didn't, definitely reach out to that program. Either you yourself reach out to them or have your advisor or have some type of general person that there's always should be a general person at your school who will do this for you, but definitely find out who that person is and so that they can reach out for you. And then the last thing is going to be your post-interview communication. This is similar to what I was talking about in the last point about reaching out. But I think that if you don't do any of that, I think a lot of people don't do pre-interview communication. I didn't personally. Also, during the interview, I did some. But definitely, this is one that you have to do. Post-interview communication is extremely important. Definitely send a thank you note to everyone. Make it personal. Try to find some detail about it, some detail about the school that is important and that can be relevant and really show that you're interested. Definitely send one to the program directors, even if they didn't interview you. But this is probably most important is that you have to send some type of letter to your number one program. Some programs, especially for some of the smaller specialties, they really want to know that they're your number one. I'm not too sure why, because at the end of the day, they should be trying to get their best applicants out there, but for some reason they have this inferiority complex or something that they need to know that they're important. So if you don't tell them that they're your number one, they may not even rank you as highly as they would if you did tell them they're your number one. I know that in my particular school uh, for neurosurgery, if you don't tell them that you're number one, they will not even 
rank you. They won't even consider you as an applicant, which is unfortunate, but it's it's unfortunately true. So you have to you have to tell them that they're your number one. And I think the the phrase after doing a lot of research, the phrase that is the the most universally true. If you say, oh, I'm going to rank you highly, or you're really one of my top choices, those don't mean anything, actually. But I will rank you number one is going to be the one definitive statement that means the only one thing. You're only going to rank them one. You should not ever send it to two places. You only are going to be sending it to your number one. And definitely do not trust your program director emails that you'll get from other residency programs that say that you're your number one. Don't say, oh, well, they told me they're, I'm their number one. They're my number one. So I'm only going to rank one place because that has bitten people in the butt a lot of times. So definitely only use it to your advantage. Never trust anybody. It feels good to know that you are high on somebody else's list. But definitely send this email out and send it both for your prelim, send it both for your categorical and I think it's controversial whether or not you should send to your number two, three, four, or five, whether or not they are your top programs. And what I've heard, if you're going to send it to your number two, your number three, your number four, and so on and so forth, what you want to say is just very general things. You want to say things that are specific to the program, but you never want to mention rank. You want to almost like play dumb that you don't know anything about this whole ranking system and you're only saying good things of why you want to go to the program, but you never even mentioned anything about I will rank you highly or you're one of my top programs. You don't even say any of that. You just say what you like and that's it. I didn't personally do that. I only sent it to my number one, but I know a lot of people who did do the other route where they sent it to their number one and they also sent to their two through five. And they, what they said was very very specific to the program, but very vague in terms of ranking. They never mentioned anything about ranking. So definitely let me know if there's any other tips that you, you may have or that you use or you have questions about. I'll make another video about the actual timeline for your residency applications and your, your interviews and things like that, but hopefully this helped. Be sure to check out our website, medicalbasics.com, for more educational resources like our h and notebook, and don't forget to follow us here or on YouTube for more tips and lessons.